guys, welcome back to 30 something with Sunny. I am so glad you're with us on today's episode. We are talking sleep. Oh my Lord, sleep, it is the one thing that you lose as soon as your children come into the picture. Um, I should mention this, 30-something, by the way, is the podcast where we talk all about things, motherhood, self-care, and second chapters, big pivots or changes people have made in their lives after big changes. And I guess today's um, episode kind of falls under all of those categories in some way. Motherhood, of course, because we're talking about how to get your kids to sleep. Uh, Self-care, because as you know, if you've lost sleep at all, whether it's as the result of having a newborn or not, you know that is freaking serious and really tough. And second chapters, because Lauren Wolf, the founder of Lolo Lullaby, which is a sleep training consulting company, um, actually had a big change in her life, which made her do what she's doing now. Lauren runs, as I said, Lolo Lullaby. It is a group certified by the Family Sleep Institute. And essentially, it's a pediatric sleep consultancy group. They help people develop healthy, developmentally appropriate sleep patterns in kids. And the range of age ages that they work with goes from four months old to six years old. So here's the deal with sleep. I remember having our first, who's now about to be seven years old, and my kids were just not sleepers, not long sleepers, not great nappers, never really fussed much, but they were up frequently during the night. And I was (laughs) an actual monster, (laughs) a horrible person when I wasn't sleeping because it's really hard. There's a reason that sleep deprivation is considered a torture tactic because it can mess with you on every level. Lauren and Lolo Lullaby have essentially um, dedicated themselves to helping parents who are in that really difficult stage by getting their kids on developmentally appropriate sleep schedules. I realize, guys, that Sleep training as an overall practice or theme is a bit controversial. I personally did not sleep train my children. I tried. I wimped out. What I ended up doing was more along the lines of, I don't I don't know, responsive or gentle parenting, I guess you would technically classify it as. I don't think that's right for everyone, though. I, because I was a total wimp and didn't do it doesn't mean that there aren't other mothers out there who could benefit from this practice. In fact, so many of my friends have chosen to do a sleep training method, whether it falls in line with what Lauren and Lola Lullaby do or in line with something else, and have found great success with it. I thought it was really important to bring Lauren on because... Um, while this is something that uh, people approach differently, it really helps to have all of the right information when it comes to sleep training. Parents do not make this decision lightly, and frequently it does involve um, a little extra work on your part as a parent to get this type of routine down. So I want you to know what you're getting into if you're doing sleep training. I think it's fantastic for people who choose it, and I'm so honored that Lauren took time to not only explain the process of sleep training to us, but also talk to us about her big change in life, um, the, the jump in jobs and careers and what having kids has done to her own career. So I'm really grateful that Lauren took some time to chat with us. I think you are going to love this. I promise you will take away some very practical takeaways from this interview, whether or not not you choose to do it, um, this is great information to have, and Lauren is an absolute dream to chat with. So enjoy. Again, this is Lauren Wolf from Lolo Lullaby. Perfect. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, okay, so I guess we'll start with the sleep training stuff. I really want to get as much information out as we can on this, because this is something that parents, like, you know, really wrestle with is sleep training right for us. So if you were explaining to a friend who had just had a baby, it was completely new to this process, what exactly is sleep training? That's a great question. So sleep training is the idea of having your child 
both fall asleep independently. Um, so putting themselves to sleep at night by themselves and then when they wake up in the middle of the night, same thing, being able to put themselves back to sleep without your assistance. It, that so, it sounds magical, by the way, to people who are new parents because it's so impossible. And, and listen, this is, you know, sleep training is not for newborns. Um, I don't recommend any formal sleep training for babies under 16 weeks, and that's assuming they're a full-term baby. Um, so we always adjust if baby is early, you know, more than 38 weeks, then we adjust. Um, but, you know, it's it's very hard for newborns to have self-soothing skills, which is why, you know, there's a lot of nursing and rocking and everything that goes on. And that's, of course, necessary at that young age and, and they need us. Um, but there are things we can do, which, you know, I'm working on in this newborn sleep guide to help lay the healthy sleep foundation. Right. So there are skills that you can practice with your baby to work on that. So putting them down drowsy but awake, um, you know, not keeping their wake window short so they don't get overtired. Um, so there's going to be a lot of different things, how to, how to read their sleepy cues, how to implement a bedtime routine. So basically putting all the pieces of the puzzle together and hopefully that will make things kind of come together on their own so you don't have to sleep train. Um, it does happen sometimes sometimes you still do have to do a little bit more of sleep training you know so even with my second daughter you know I do this for a living and I did everything right but she was still kind of struggling with some mid middle of the night wakings so I think around 15 or 16 weeks we you know we did a little sleep training and that was it and it, it wasn't it wasn't so bad because she kind of had all of the other boxes checked she just needed like a little bit of fine-tuning um, versus, you know, a baby who's, you know, co-sleeping and still nursing multiple times a night after a year old, that can take a little bit longer oh, to change. Yes. I'm, I'm um, saying that because that was me. We do it all the time. Yeah. And it's, you know, and listen, you know, it wor it works for some families, you know, and, and, but those families aren't necessarily my clients. Sure. Right? Yeah. I, and I really love that. I mean, you people, moms can happily coexist here just because people have different approaches to how and when their children should be sleeping. It doesn't mean that the information isn't useful. Like I did all of the research on sleep training. I had multiple books. I read up on it. And I do think it's important for moms to know you should educate yourselves on it. And then you decide if it's right for you, but you can't make that decision without knowing what exactly it entails. And, and I'm so glad that you're really breaking it down for us because there is a real myth out there that sleep training is only crying it out. So I want you to, to sort of clarify that myth for us yeah. and explain what exactly is happening. And I also, before I forget, want you to tell us the exact age when you think it's appropriate to doing this, because you said um, not for the first 16 weeks. So starting at four months, then you think this is exactly. something you can try. Yes. Okay. And I should also note that I always make sure the parents get the sign off from their pediatrician. So it's very important to me that if, you know, if we're going to do anything together, I like to have the pediatrician involved mm -hmm. um, and giving the okay. Um, it makes the parents feel better. It makes me feel, feel better. Um, but not to say that sleep training doesn't mean cutting out all feedings either. So I have plenty of parents who come to me with a five-month-old and say, you know, the baby's waking up to eat, you know, 
four times a night. And, I, and we work together with the pediatrician. The pediatrician says, you know, the baby needs to eat, eat maximum one time. So we sleep train and we keep one feet in the middle of the night. And then usually over time, we kind of wean off that feet. So that's a myth too, is, you know, a lot of parents say, I can't sleep train. Like my baby still is hungry in the middle of the night. Well, that it sleep train doesn't mean cutting out all night feeds. Mm-hmm. Um, it can mean cutting back if there's five, because, you know, oftentimes that means that there's some sort of sleep association happening. So the baby's waking up not knowing how to put themselves back to sleep. And the only way they can do that is from mom nursing or rocking or whatever it is. So we work to, you know, help the baby learn how to fall asleep. And then we can still do a dream feed or one feeding, you know, whatever the doctor recommends. So if you're working to replace those associations, either a nursing or a rocking association to go back to sleep, what's, and I don't want you to spill all your secrets because I know people are going to want to work with you as well, but tell us what you try to replace it with, because those are, as we know, who have had children, those are instincts with, with babies. So what do you work to replace those with? Yeah. Um, it really, there are, there are various methods out there, right? So from low you know, or no parental involvement, which would be known as cried out, even though I hate that word. Um, and, but a lot of parents do it because they have gone through the process of a higher parental involvement method and it's just not working for the baby and it's not working for them. Um, and, and I I don't like to use the word gentle method because I feel like it can be misleading sometimes. Um, I like to use the level of parental involvement because that's really what it comes down to. So for example, you know, there's a method out there called chair method. It's also known as the sleep lady shuffle. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a Kim West book that's out there. I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, It's a great method. I'm, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I've learned all the methods, right? So I don't, I don't do one method. I've learned all the methods. We often combine the methods, we tweak the methods. And that's the beauty of hiring a sleep consultant is because the internet can be very black and white. And then when you work with a sleep consultant, they're able to kind of fine tune things and understand what's working, what's not. Maybe we need to kind of combine these two methods together and that's what's gonna be your secret sauce for your family. Um, But back to the chair method, so that would be, you know, considered a a high involvement method, right? And that, that means that you are next to your baby's crib you are comforting them, you are there supporting them through the process, but you're not necessarily rocking them or taking them out of the crib or nursing them. So you're still there supporting them, but you're not kind of giving in to those other, um, you know, association, so to speak. So how long would something like that take to work? Say we are on the younger side of sleep training, four to six months. Let's just use that as an example. And we want to do something like that. That's a little on the gentler side. What would you, how long would that usually take? Really, it's it's the most popular question I get. <laughs> besides for um, how how long will my baby cry? Um, but it really, I, I hate answering this sometimes because it it's really depends on the baby. You know, some babies it works in two nights. Some babies it takes two weeks. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a range. It really depends on if this method is working for your baby. Um, you know, again, I have parents who do the, to kind of do this high parental involvement method for a few nights and they say, you know what, it's making my baby more upset with my presence. I think I need to kind of give myself some distance in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, or I have some parents who say, you know what, it's, it's working for us. I know it's going to take longer, but I'm okay with that because I 
don't want to leave them by themselves Mm -hmm. and, or I don't want to do a method where I'm kind of checking in. I want to be there. So it's, it's really a range, but yeah, it can be a couple nights. It can be a few weeks. And what do you tell parents when they inevitably get really stressed out by this process? Because I personally, and I I said this in the intro, I tried a method of sleep training with my son and he was on the younger side. This is, this is my luck, Lauren. So I tried the one night that I picked and we did the whole thing and he woke up the next morning, he had roseola. And I was like, well, that's why he was crying. He was sick and I was scarred for, it was a horrific experience. That's not going to be everyone's experience, by the way. But um, I found that I needed a way to soothe myself to get past the, you know, that impulse to go in. What do you tell parents who inevitably will have that feeling? Yeah. I mean, you know, I really have to encourage parents to remember why they're doing this. You know, usually parents come to me and I am like their last strike, their last call. Right. So, they've read the books, they've gone on the internet, they've talked to friends, and they're really in that kind of hopeless feeling. And I work with a lot of moms who have really bad postpartum depression from not sleeping and, you know, not getting enough of a break. So, you know, I kind of cheer them on through the process. And I always, if, you know, if you can have two parents on board or, you know, a significant other, whoever it is, that tends to be the winning scenario because teamwork makes the dream work when you're (laughs) sleep training. And often one partner is the stronger of the two. So, you know, many times that's dad, many times that's mom. It it really depends. Um, So I try and say like, okay, the first couple of nights, like if dad is going to be the stronger one, I say, Hey mom, go out with your girlfriends, go, go to dinner, go get some drinks, get out of the house because being there can be, make it so much harder And if it's out of sight, out of mind, it's much better. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I have parents, I say, you know, like, go cook dinner. Go go keep busy. Go watch Netflix in your room. Have the monitor there so you can see and make sure your baby is safe. But, you know, don't turn the noise up, you know. So you're aware of everything happening, but you're not, you know, you're trying to distract yourself in the process a Mm -hmm. little bit. And to be honest, most of the times it's really not that bad. I mean, most of my parents come to me and say, wow, the process was much better than I thought. I think a lot of parents kind of psych themselves up for the worst. Um, so, you know, expect the worst, hope for the best. Sometimes I've even had um, moms who have like a very strong nursing to sleep association. They will go and sleep at, you know, their in-laws or their parents for the night and really kind of take themselves out of the equation. And I find that that works really, really well um, because then you, you physically can't, you um, mm-hmm you know, give in to, to nursing and, and, you know, it's just physically, if you're not there, it's just so much easier. So what is the the number one thing you hear from parents that you work with as far as why they finally reach out to you? Because they're beyond sleep deprived. It's affecting their marriage. It's affecting their lives. They can't function anymore. I mean, most, I've had moms who call me literally in tears Mm. saying, I don't know what to do. Um, I'm terrified of the process, but I cannot live like this anymore. So, you know, and as early as like 10 weeks, I have parents calling me saying my baby hasn't slept longer than three hour stretches. And usually the pediatrician has already been pushing some sort of sleep training at that point. Um, it's, it's, it's tough for me because again, I like to work with babies and they're a little older, but I live in New York city where I can't even tell you how many pediatricians are pushing cried out between eight and 12 weeks now. 
Wow, that so, seems early. Yeah. Is is that like Very developmentally early? early? Okay, so why are they going that route? You know, so there's there's one practice here called Tribeca Pediatrics, which is a very popular um, practice. They have multiple locations in the city, and their methodology is yeah, eight weeks. Um, so once in a while, I'll have a client who's with that practice, and and they say, oh, my pediatrician said eight weeks. Um, I'm, you know, I don't go there personally, so I'm not sure why, you know, they do that. Um, that's just their philosophy. But most pediatricians approve it by four months. Mm-hmm. So that's a right around when you say, and let me ask you this. Um, I, like you said, people hit their thresholds at various points and for various reasons. Yeah. But when you're on the older end, say beyond the age of one, will this still be a helpful method? Um which method? Any any sort of cry it out based. And again, I hate to use that word, but any like is is I guess what I'm asking is after one too late to start trying. So after it's never too late to sleep train. Let me say that. Um, but the older they get, the more the methods tend to change. So I first of all, I don't usually recommend cry it out in general mm-hmm. unless a client really comes to me saying this is what I want to do. I just want support with the process. I want support with the routine and the schedule and all that. Um, so some clients come to me and they say, listen, I know my baby and these other methods just aren't going to work, but they want my support in other areas. So I work with them on that. It's usually not, I don't jump to cry it out. Um, and I'll go more into why, um, it's, it's, and I'll talk about my personal story a little bit, but, um, when the baby's a little older, you know, you really have to know your baby. I mean, I tend to do more of like a check and console or chair method type of, you know, approach with an older child, just because it can be, you know, when they're getting into the toddlerhood, it can be a little more complicated Mm -hmm. Um, and they can, they have longer stamina, right? Oh yes. They they go on and on and they're jumping in the crib and they can start getting aggressive and climbing out of the crib and things can happen. So I find that a little bit more of a hands-on approach can work better with an older child. And, you know, if you have a toddler older than two and a half, then like the method really changes. Like there's a lot more we do with behavioral strategies and the way we communicate with our be- with our toddler. Um, you know, there's you know different bedtime tactics. Um, it, it's I love toddlers. They're more fun, right? Like it's not <laughs> just about the method when you're a toddler. Like there's so much more we can do. And I've taken you know classes about you know this age group specifically and how we communicate with them and. Um, it's fun for me. I, I, I enjoy it. Um, but they're, they're, they're tough. They um, are they're Cause they're crazy. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I they got personality with toddlers. That's, um, I, think that's it's, cool. I think it's more to it than the schedule and the method. There's just a lot more creativity involved. So what was your personal story? I'm curious to know what you yeah. experienced as a parent. Well, it's interesting. So my first, I have two girls and they're, uh, just over three and 14 months. So they're two years apart. And actually I was that lucky one with my first baby. She was sleeping 12 hours at eight weeks and I did, I did nothing. And I mean, like I was breastfeeding on demand. Um, she wasn't really on a schedule. I think the only thing I was doing was putting her to bed around seven o'clock. Cause someone told me to do that. I was like, okay. <laughs> like I didn't know babies went to bed what, at seven o'clock. I didn't know they slept 12 hours. Um, even though I did have nieces and nephews and I thought I knew a good amount, but it turns out I didn't. Um, so she was a great nighttime sleeper, but a terrible napper. 
So she, I remember on maternity leave, I remember would call my husband and say, you know, five o'clock calling, when are you going to be home? And then saying, she has not slept today, period. And thinking back, like, uh, you know, a 10 week old who hasn't slept all day, like that's just crazy. The fact that she was still sleeping through the night was miraculous when I think about it, but it really got me, you know, interested in, in her sleep and I got to figure this out. So I did call a sleep consultant, um, eventually when she still wasn't figuring out napping closer to three, four months. And they said, listen, like you, you got to change your schedule. This is what you have to do. And I couldn't believe all the information they had. And I kind of thought to myself, why isn't this, why don't I know this? You know, this is so important. I, I joined a new mom's group when I had a baby and every single week we just talked about sleep. What's your, how long, how many times your baby waking to eat? I mean, a little bit about feeding, but like sleep was like without a doubt, the number one topic. And since my baby was sleeping through the night, you know, moms were like, what are you doing? What's your secret? And I didn't really know, but I, at that point I had also, you know, spoken to the sleep consultant and I was telling them what they told me and they're like, oh my gosh, that's so, such good information. So I kind of went down the rabbit hole. I started reading books about it and I started kind of helping my friends with the information I had. And I just had this aha moment, like, I like doing this and I'm interested in this. And, you know, I was going back to work full time in the corporate world and, you know, but I knew that this was something. So I researched all different kind of programs and kind of looked into the industry. I spoke to maybe four sleep consultants um, and got their opinion on, you know, the, on the career, if they like it, what did, how did they get their training? So I did a lot of research and I came to the Family Sleep Institute, which, you know, after tons and tons of research, I thought was the most comprehensive. It was not a, you know, fly down to Florida for the weekend and we're going to train you and pay us $10,000. I mean, it was not like that. It's a six month program with, um, so much education involved, a lot of work, case studies, um, working with real families. Um, I had to read, I think four or five books through the program and, you know, it wasn't a shortcut program and I felt very prepared you know, when I got certified, but I was still working full time. And I knew that, you know, you know, financially, I, I wasn't ready to kind of leave my job. So I got certified at night while it was still working. And then I eventually found a, another job um, that lended me a lot more flexibility and kind of working remotely and on my own. So I was able to start my website, start my business, um, you know, really build everything out. So that's, that was great for me. And now, you know, I, I have the joy of doing this, um, you know, more, more, not necessarily full time, but I'm very, you know, more busy with it now and it keeps growing. And, you know, it's, I always said, if I, I don't necessarily think I want to be a stay at home mom. It is the hardest job in the world. I mean, it the is. days where I don't have help, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how people do this. Oh, yeah. It's it insanity. <laughs> it's total insanity. Your insanity. It's physically and mentally exhausting. And especially with two. I don't know. You have two, right? I have three. And, but oh, you I'm like numb. I'm just like numb to things. Is when she, when the third came along, it was a surprise. I'm just like, listen, it's hard. <laughs> was without a doubt the hardest thing I've ever gone through. Um, um, you just realize that there's just no break mm -mm. and, you know, you have to keep two humans alive, fed, changed, 
happy, engaged, clean up their mess. I mean, it was just, oh my gosh, crazy. But, it, um, let me ask you this too. Oh, no, go ahead, and then I'll, I'll hop in when you're done. I was just going to finish saying, you know, I wanted to work, but I felt like if I was going to leave my kids every day, I wanted to do something that was rewarding and that I enjoyed doing. Um, so that's kind of really what led me on the path as well. I love hearing that. I, I talk a lot what I call second chapters on this podcast or pivots people have made. I, I've found that motherhood necessitates more often than not, if not a career change, then at least a change in schedule or some personal changes to accommodate, as you said, these new two, three people that you're keeping alive. And I'm fascinated by the way that we women accomplish that. I feel like we're so resilient. You know, it, something needs to give, right? So whether it's finding yeah. a, a more, um, you know, flexible schedule or like I said, changing careers or leaving one to go to another, we always find a way to come out of it. And I, I want you to tell everybody what you did before Lolo Lullaby because yeah. you, you had some pretty yeah. really high profile and cool jobs. Yeah. So uh, I, um, I've been in the, you know, corporate retail world for, I guess, about 14 years. So when I graduated college, I started in the assistant buyer training program at Bloomingdale's here in the city, um, which was a very coveted program. And, you know, it was basically the backbone to my career. And I started in buying and then, you know, kind of worked my way through a couple different companies. And then um, my last and more, you know, longest time was at Ralph Lauren in wholesale. And I was a director of sales there in the home textiles area. So everything from, you know, sheets, towels, bedding, gifts, um, all sorts of things. So selling to our, you know, major department store partners like mm -hmm. Bloomingdale's, Macy's, Dillard's, Hudson's Bay Company, all those big guys. So I was there for almost seven years. Wow. Um, and, you know, it. I, I, it's like I loved it, but I also when you have kids, it really just changes your perspective, mm -hmm. right? So you, you begin to have the, the bar goes higher. So you, you, you know, when you're in your career and you don't have a family yet, I, I think you're happy. You think you're happy, but then when you have these, these babies, you're like, I need to be happier. I, I need to be doing something that is making my soul feel better <laughs> because it's just, it's just, um, you, you really want to make it worthwhile when you're not if you choose to work outside the home and you're not there every day for those moments, you want to feel like, you know, you're, you're going, you're going home every day and you're feeling good about what you did. Having experienced both a corporate job and a job yeah. with a traditional schedule, and now you're yeah. on the entrepreneur route and, and carving your own way. What would you say to women who are just about to enter motherhood, who are trying to decide, uh, not that either decision is right or wrong or easier or harder, but what are some salient points from each of those experiences that you would tell a new mom so that she can sort of go into it knowing that there are some differences? So my advice would be don't do anything for the first like six months, right? So you kind of have to go back to work, feel it out, give it a shot. Because a lot of moms go back to work and they're perfectly happy. And they, and especially after being on maternity leave, I think a lot of moms realize, oh, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought. I miss adult interaction. I miss using my brain in a certain way. Um, I miss getting dressed and going out every day and seeing people, all of that. So a lot of my, you know, my clients are like, I am so happy to be back at work. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say give it time before you really make any drastic decision. Number two would be, you know, if you want to stay at your job, you want more flexibility, you need to ask for it. And I found that in 
2019, we're actually now at a place where, I mean, even my old company at Ralph Lauren, I just had um, dinner with an old coworker recently, and she said that now everybody gets the option to work from home one to two days a week. Wow. not an option when I was there. I do think a lot of companies are wising up to the fact that if you can make a a working mom's life a little easier, she's more likely to stay with you. And, And all the millennials now, like, the money is not the is at the top. Money is not at the top of the totem pole anymore. It's really the flexibility. So you know, work being able to work remotely or getting a more generous vacation package or whatever it is. So I think companies are saying, listen, we don't want to lose good talent. Um, so they're really you know coming to the table, which is is great. So ask for that flexibility up front, because if you don't ask, you don't get. Um, and the worst they can say is no. So you have to advocate for yourself. See if you can work from home one to two days. And maybe that's all it's going to take, right? Um, And then if you feel like, you know, for whatever reason, both those things aren't working out, then there are jobs out there that are flexible. Now, you might not have the 401k and you might not have, you know, some of these benefits that you're used to getting. But if you're okay with that trade-off, there are jobs out there. You just have to look. Um, You know, there, there are now sites out there, companies out there dedicated to flexible work. Um, you know, I think, is it, is it called Upwork is one? Mm. Um, I think she might be uh, a hate mama member actually. Um, and you know, different companies go on Indeed, go on LinkedIn, find remote jobs, find, you know, jobs where you're a 1099 employee and, you know, set up an LLC for yourself and, you know, work as a consultant. If you're an expert in your industry, um, there are lots of things you can do. You just have to find find it and, and really put yourself out there and network like, like crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even tell you how many things have like come to me because of people I know. And, and you know, I, I pride myself in never, um, never having a bad relationship with somebody I work with, right? So even if you leave a job and you kind of have like a bad taste in your mouth or something went wrong, never leave on a bad note ever because odds are you're going to circle back somewhere later in life and someone at your old job is going to know somebody and they're going to ask about you. I mean, this has happened in my real life all the times. I can't even tell you. It's like, oh, well, you know, we had a great relationship, so I'm happy that, you know, whatever it is. So always be on good terms with everybody. Always network um, and keep yourself, you know, you know, in the know about what, what jobs are out there and what's going on. And, and don't be afraid to shift careers. I mean, I'm 35 and I mean, my husband started a new career two and a half years ago. Um, you know, I started really pivoting away from my career about the same time. I mean, I can't even tell you how many people I know in their, you know, mid thirties are, you know, hitting the reset button, Mm -hmm. um, because they have a family and they kind of realize, you know, I want to make a change and, and don't be afraid to do that. And, and people are, are accepting of that. I believe. Absolutely. I always joke. I'm, I'm 38 now and I specifically called my podcast 30 something for the very reason you just said that it is a period of intense uh, transition in life, whether it be through motherhood or a job change. But every woman I know in this stage has had some giant upheaval or moved on to yeah. some, like I say, like a second chapter, but I, I always joke cause I'm like, what am I going to call it in two years? <laughs> 
<laughs> when I'm out of my 30s. But it is, you're right, this time is so, it's so chock full of wonderful things and challenging things. And I'm curious to know if you share this uh, similar sentiment. I find that motherhood and all of the challenges and sort of roundabout ways you go about figuring out problems in that sphere really informed me in my, in, in the, business sense of things or in my entrepreneurial path, um, you know, quite frequently in life, I'm sure you would agree, like in this world where you're striking out on your own and you're starting a company and you're networking and meeting new people, there's no direct answer to any question. It's more like throwing something against the wall and then something sticks. And it it reminds me so much of the exact thing that your company is based on, getting a baby to sleep. I remember thinking to myself, okay, Sonny, try A, B, C, and D. One of those has to work. Well, none of them ever worked for me. And it forced me, you know, to find E. And this, like, really, I I really feel like that's why you're seeing success in this job is because having a baby in a lot of ways is training ground for this type of world, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And so what do you tell people? I'm curious to know, I mean, I know this is going, this is your path now. This is your full-time gig. If someone um, who just had kids, say in the past five, six years and and is ready to strike out on her own and try something, what is the one piece of advice you would tell her to keep her encouraged to go down that path? Um, I mean, don't be afraid to take a risk because one, there's, there's no time like the present, right? And you don't want to have a life where you're regretting that you didn't take a rest because it's always it's always okay if you took a rest and it didn't work. And then you could say, okay, I did that. I, I checked it off. I moved on. But, you know, I feel like we all get very stagnant in our lives and we're all guilty of it, right? It, it's so much easier to say you're going to make a change than to do it because it, it's mm-hmm. a lot of work to do it mm-hmm. um, physically, mentally, financially, whatever it is. So, but, you know, start small. I mean, you know, start talking to people and start, you know, throwing ideas off other people and, um, you know, seeing if, seeing if anybody, you know, can relate to your idea or has, you know, thoughts about your idea. I mean, when I was thinking about doing this, like I went to my family and I kind of said, what, what do you think of this? And they said, a hundred percent, like you would be so good at that. That would be amazing. Like I would support you all, all of that. I mean, you know, so you always are going to have people who are supporting you and, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where there's just, you have to just rip the bandaid and do Mm -hmm. it. Right. And I remember once I signed up for FSI and like, you know, send in my check, I was like, wow, I did it. You know, there's no looking back. I'm doing it. And it like felt so good that I had made the decision, even though I wasn't certified yet. And I had a long road ahead of me, just like, figuring out that I'm going to do this and I'm going to move to the next step was like a big, a big step in the process. It's awesome. What's it like to raise a family in New York city? All of us suburbanites have to know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, gosh, there's so many pros and so many cons. I mean, so the pros are, I, you know, which is also going to end up being a con, but the pros are, I don't really have to get in a car much. So I throw my kids in the stroller and within two minutes I can be anywhere. You know, I can be, you know, I live in a neighborhood that's full of things to do, museums and play spaces and music classes. I mean, I haven't, um, we have a, uh, we have a service in New York city called kid pass. So I don't know if you've heard of class pass. Do you guys have class? Pass? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. For working out. So kid pass is class pass, but for kids classes. It's a great idea. So every day I can go into my phone and scroll, you know, dozens of classes all day from music to gym to 
art to, you know, sports classes, you name it. And I can sign up and drop into a class that day with my kid. So I just love that there's always something to do. Um, also, you know, I live in like a high rise building where, you know, if I want to have a play date, I just walk down the hall to my neighbor's house and, and our kids play and, and, you know, they have a great time and, you know, accessibility and just having so much at your fingertips, um, is really amazing. You know, I live next door to this huge park where, you know, we go, we walk down to the park and we see friends there. We don't have to arrange a play date. We just bump into people there and our kids play together for an hour. So it's really so nice. But the cons are one, it's crazy expensive to live here. You know, I live in a small two bedroom apartment. My kids share a room. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of space. They don't know any different, but I, you know, I feel but um, we you know if you do want to go somewhere far away you know we don't have a car here so you kind of have to figure that situation out if you're gonna take an uber and then what do you do with your car seat I mean it's that logistics become challenging um, so really space and cost and you know trying to get around places other than your neighborhood that's where I think it, it gets tough is it true you have to get on like a wait list for um, school, like as you're pregnant, or is that just a legend that we're told so on the outskirts? Daycare, yes. so wow. Care you have to get on the wait list while you're pregnant, and then some people just never get off the wait list. Wow. Which is why so many people in the city employ nannies because there's just not enough daycares for the amount of children here. Um, so most people have a nanny because there's a huge huge market for that here. Um, and it ends up being, if you have two children, it ends up being more cost effective than daycare actually. Um, one children, it's probably less expensive. One child, it's probably financially better to do daycare. But the thing with daycare is there's not a lot of flexibility, right? So you have to pick your kid up by six with a nanny. You could say, Hey, like I'm running late or, you know, a lot of parents here have, you know, big, big jobs and they might not get home every day at the same time. So their nannies are able to stay late. They're able to babysit, put their kids to bed. They do all the meal prep. Um, um, you know, they do the laundry, like all these things that if you're a child in daycare, you're still doing all that. You're still mm -hmm. making the lunches. You're still doing their laundry. You're still, you know, cleaning up the toys every day. Um, you're still doing drop off and pick up. So, you know, there's pros and cons. The pros with daycare, you're getting the socialization that you might not get getting with the nanny. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough decision for sure. Well, let, um, but nannies are more accessible. Well, let's circle back before we let you go to talk a little bit more about sleep training. I know people came to yeah. this podcast to get all of the info as to whether or not it's yeah. right for them. I want you to bust the one biggest myth about sleep training before we let oh, you go. So I would say one big sleep myth is that a later bedtime means my child will wake up later. So that's actually 100% false. So usually the later you put your child to bed, the earlier they wake up and there's science behind it. So, you know, I always think about it like adults too, right? Do you ever have those nights where you come home from work? It's like 6.30. You're like, I am so tired. I'm going to go to bed at like nine o'clock tonight. So tired. I'm exhausted. Such a long day. Can't wait for my head to hit the pillow. And then all of a sudden it's 10.30. You're on your computer. You're on your phone. You're watching TV and you're like, ah. I, I was going to go to bed at nine o'clock. What happened? So basically what happens is you've kind of got that second wind, right? Mm -hmm. And you missed your window to go to sleep. The same thing happens to babies. So if you miss their window, their bodies start to produce cortisol, which is a stress hormone. And that 
makes their body fight sleep and they catch that second wind. And so not only is it harder for them to put themselves to sleep, but it causes night wakings and it causes early risings. So often families come to me and, you know, they say, oh, I think I need help. And I say, well, try putting them to bed 30 minutes earlier and see what happens. And they call me the next day and they say, you're right. That was all I needed to do. Um, so really, I always tell parents like early bedtime is is your best best friend Mm -hmm. and you know you're it fixes you know almost everything so if you have a bad nap day early bedtime you're traveling early bedtime I mean it really just solves a lot of problems yeah I I had to learn that one the hard way (laughs) by the way yeah and then I guess the second myth is that you know sleep training is cried out so Mm cried out really means you're putting your child to sleep and you're not going back in the room till the next morning. So there are so many different ways to sleep train and there are very high levels of involvement with sleep training if you choose. So it doesn't have to be a cry out. There are many different methods and sleep training is not just about the method. It's about the schedule. It's about the routine. It's so much more. It's the full, full picture. So working with the sleep consultant and kind of helps you know what time should my baby wake up how long should the first nap be how long should the second nap be do I need to cap naps do I need to move this part of the routine I mean there's so many questions um and really you know there's so many pieces of the puzzle it's not just about the method and if we want to work with you if someone is interested in you know learning more about working with Lola Lullaby they can work remotely obviously so we don't have to be near you um what does that process look like yeah, so I always encourage my clients right on my website. Uh, you can book a free 15-minute, you know, phone call, and we talk. You tell me about your issues. We talk about how the process works, and you can get a sense if you know you think we're a good match, and in general, do you feel like sleep training is right for you? Um, and then after that, you know, I work in a few different ways. I offer a one-week package, a two-week package. I do a newborn consult, and then I also just do strategy calls. So I might have a client who comes to me saying, you know, we're in a really good spot, but we're transitioning right now from two to one naps, and I'm struggling just on this. So I say, okay, perfect. You know, a 30-minute strategy call is great. Um, we bang out everything we can in 30 minutes, and if they would like, they have the option to purchase, like, an email follow-up if they have, you know, additional questions. So I do a lot of strategy calls too because a lot of my clients might just have some targeted issues um and then but the way the process works is you know once you decide you want to work with me we would I would have you fill out an intake form that had probably has about 30 questions to let me know you know what's your baby schedule what are your challenges what are your what's your lifestyle um what's your sleeping environment does your child have any medical issues any siblings I mean it's it's really just everything I need to know so that when we hop on our consultation which is a one-hour phone call I'm really prepared to dive in and I'm not asking you all these questions like I'm ready to go I you know I've kind of got an idea of where you need help and why things aren't working Mm -hmm. Um, and so we have a one-hour call where we discuss the schedule the environment we go through the sleep training methods we you know make sure that we're both comfortable with the with the process and the plan then I type up a sleep plan that basically covers a step-by-step you know plan of everything you need to know to implement um, you know the schedule the routine the sleep training method what to do if this happens uh, um, basically and everything so it's usually you know like a five-page document and then for one or two weeks, we work together and I offer limited support. So if you need to text me, if you need to call me, if you need to email me, I'm 
usually at your beck and call. So I don't, a lot of sleep consultants say, okay, one phone call, one email, you know, they kind of cap it. I just found that that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a mom, like I, I would want to sign up for something where I was like, oh God, but what if I need, you know, two calls, you know, and I just, and the, and the truth is most parents don't right? They usually don't need that much support because they have the one hour call, we give them the plan and then they just, we check in as needed. Um, but I like to just kind of offer myself to be available so that parents feel more comfortable. I love it. I know you're coming out soon with a newborn sleep guide as well. So tell us where and when we can grab that. Yeah. So I'm working on it. It's a, it's a big to do and I'm going to have it edited and I'm going to have, you know, somebody kind of design it for me and, and get that all worked up. So sometime in the next couple months, it'll be ready for purchase on my site and it'll be, you know, you can download it right off the site and, um, you know, come into your inbox and it's going to be for newborns to 16 weeks. So it'll be everything you need to know to lay a healthy, a healthy sleep foundation. It's going to have product recommendations it's going to have, you know, feeding schedule recommendations. It's going to have expert tips throughout the way. Um, it's going to cover pacifiers. It's going to cover, you know, safe sleep. It's going to cover milestones, um, everything. So I'm really excited about it. And eventually I'm going to have, you know, more guides for the different transitions, you know, four to eight months, eight to 15 months, um, different things. So I'm, I'm excited uh, about that. Well, I am so grateful you took time to break all of this down for us. Lauren, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. I love talking about it. So thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited to uh, be on here. And we can follow you on Instagram where? Give us your handle. Yes, it's at Lolo Lullaby. So L-O-L-O-L-U-L-L-A-B-Y. Um and I post a lot of sleep tips. I post a lot of, you know, behind the scenes of my kids and what they're going through with their sleep. It's always honest. You know, my, my kids aren't perfect. Um, so I let everybody into what I do when things happen. And, um, you know, I, I believe that transparency is, is so key in this industry. So, uh, um, but yeah, I do weekly sleep tips. I do Q and A's a lot. So feel oh, free awesome. to follow me and ask me a sleep question and, um, it's fun. There's a lot, a lot of good stuff happening. Awesome. Lauren, thank you again so much. And we will be sure to check back in with you soon. All right. Thanks, honey. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I feel like that was full of great takeaways for new moms. Here's the big thing though. If you are in the middle of a period of massive sleep deprivation, if you have a newborn or an infant, just know it's going to get better. Maybe you should call Lauren. You know, I, I just, I wish there were someone who would have reminded me in those early months that it does in fact get easier. It can really feel difficult though. Um, I love that she laid out all of our options when it comes to different types of sleep training. And as she said, if you're interested in learning more, be sure to check out her website, Lolo lullaby.com and check out that newborn sleep guide. I love how she said that there are some things you can do that that aren't sleep training, but just sort of practical things you can put in place that help to ease them into better sleep as they get older. If I had a newborn, I would be all about that, laying a good foundation. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to be back next week with more goodness. Um, this is the part where I ask you 
please leave us a rating and review. Um, I am so grateful that you took time to listen to this episode. Sometimes those ratings and reviews really help to get these shows out to people who might need them or find them useful or entertaining. So I would be so grateful. Also, weekly, I give away things to people who leave ratings and reviews because, listen, sister is not above a little bit of a bribery here. Um, I believe in these shows. I believe in the information we're getting out there. And the more people that can listen and benefit from the incredible people that I have on this podcast, the better it is for everybody. So thank you so much for listening. Follow me on Instagram, Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. And I will see you guys next week with more.